Brought to you by Sullis Nua in Washington, D.C. Welcome to episode five of We Are The Makers. My name is Donald Deneen, and having spent 35 years living somewhat begrudgingly away from there, I'm still very much of the opinion that it's a shame to leave Kerry, even for a day. And yes, I know, that's what we all say. Truth is, I'm forever going back, and today I get to return for the first time in several months to meet with an artist whose work has lit up a significant portion of these years in exile. My end destination is a breathtakingly beautiful hillside haven a few miles west of Dingle on the foothills of the holiest of all mountains, Brandon. It was to this elevated windswept spot that choreographer Michael Keegan Dolan moved with his family in 2016 and formed Tok Dousa, out of which would emerge his most extraordinary creation yet, man. The making of this dynamic masterpiece is the tale we'll be telling on this episode in our series. Suffice to say that not only was it formed and shaped in the landscape I'm about to immerse myself in, but it emerged from deep within it. All will be revealed. Time to hit the road. Now, Michael's journey to the point of formation of Choctaw is as wayward as some of the legendary West Kerry bends I'll be negotiating on my trip southwest today. There have been twists and turns, but blind faith in dance as the art of transformation and an unswerving commitment to mining the essence of that craft has yielded some of the most inspiring and impactful shows I've seen performed on a stage anywhere, ever. A graduate of the Central Ballet School in London, he has overseen productions at the English National Opera, the National Theatre in London and the Bavarian State Opera, as well as a string of groundbreaking shows as artistic director of the Fabulous Beast Dance Theatre. It was one of those early Fabulous Beast shows which reeled me in hook, line and sinker. The year was 2003, and his radical reinterpretation of the romantic ballet Giselle was playing at that year's Dublin Theatre Festival. I can't remember much at all about the forces that brought me to the Samuel Beckett Theatre, but I can recall the aftermath with superior clarity of a rarer kind. Going to shows in search of personal transformation is, of course, a risky business and one generally bound to failure, but on the very rare occasion it does happen, it's glorious. Giselle swept everyone up and off their feet. My own two barely touched the ground as I exited Trinity College out into a Dublin world suddenly recast in a whole different light. 
It wasn't just my own movements that felt altered, but somehow my place as a cog in the wheel of the wider world in motion seemed significantly transformed. It's no exaggeration to say that what I acquired that night was a new understanding, or at least a feeling for how we relate to each other and how these relationships are impacted by the restless machinations of this ever-revolving lump of rock we call home. It might not be what makes the world go round exactly, but art is our most effective way of making sense of all that surface noise, not to mention its primary role in providing shelter from the many storms we endure. The power of it is what brings me here today, and the joy of that once-in-a-lifetime discovery back then was bound up in the not previously knowing something so powerful and profound was possible from such a source. It was a game changer. Seeing that show and returning several times to see more of it opened my eyes to worlds and horizons anew. From that day forward, the word dance took on a whole new meaning. Skip forward almost two decades and I'm at the O'Reilly Theatre in Dublin for the 2019 iteration of the Theatre Festival and the unveiling of MAM. Given what I've just told you, it goes without saying that I've brought sky-high expectations to every Michael Keegan Dolan production since Giselle and they have never not been matched. But the expectation levels were ratcheted up a notch again in light of the fact that the musical foundations for this show was the virtuoso concertina playing of West Kerry native Cormac Begley. As we'll find out in a little while when talking to Michael, the singular kind of magic concocted by Cormac on his solo concertina album was the spark to the flame for this incendiary show. The fact that the same record had become something of a personal touchstone for me simply added heft to the weight of anticipation I felt that night. True to form, spells were cast and disappointment, there was none. The word ma'am itself has many meanings, but the most pertinent to the transportive experience of the show is mountain pass. A past master of memorable imagery, the arresting opening scene was a portent of all the joy and strangeness to come on the other side. As Lindsay Winship described it in The Guardian, it starts out like a sinister cult, the mask of a black ram, a curl of sweet-smelling smoke, a girl in a white communion dress confronted by a severe lineup of adults in black formal wear and paper bag balaclavas. The first light-footed, shoulder-shrugging dance looks like guests at a wedding, or more likely a wake, and Keegan Dolan's organic choreography grows out of his eclectic community of dancers. Sometimes they move as if music is in their heads, dancing on a memory. More often, rhythm finds a foothold and drags everyone into the present and the pure connection of movement, music and people.
The rhythmic force at the heart of man is a natural wonder in itself, and the source of that power was painstakingly arranged to be multifaceted. We'll find out more about that intricate process presently, but in a nutshell, the bedly bedrock of traditional sounds laid down in the opening scenes is augmented by the arrival of the thoroughly modern Berlin orchestral collective Stargaze from the second act onward, who extend the reach of the soaring sound into hitherto inaccessible celestial realms. The way those two sound worlds merge and find concord is an achievement in itself, but it's just one of the many intertwining strands in search of resolution that make up the rich tapestry of man as a whole. The tension between tradition and sonic innovation is the centrifugal force around which vacillates a range of competing emotions from tenderness and rage to pure joy and abject pain. The combined effect of this roller coaster ride of emotional ballast and ritualized energy is startling. We run the gamut of emotions in the course of the 90 minutes and emerge energized and breathless on the other side of the mountain pass, coping with the intentional consequences of an object lesson in the emotional power of the physical form in full flow. previous episodes of We Are The Makers, I have been conscious of presenting thoughts and ideas about events and creative occurrences from the past, but there are two very pertinent reasons why the story of Mam is very much alive in the present. I've told you already about how it resonated so deeply personally because it represented the coming together of two very different creative paths, which I have been following closely from separate angles. But when I heard that another of my favourite artists, Pat Collins, was making a film about the project, the last of the remaining windows and doors blown from their hinges. Merely pitting the words Begley, Collins and Keegan Dolan together in a sentence feels like a lot. So eight weeks working together in Holland Fioni is the stuff of dreams. The resultant film, The Dance, is further evidence of just how far into the dream time this project goes. That documentary has already had its cinema release and is now available to watch online. And if you haven't seen it thus far, then I really think you should. And you'll find the link to do so in the series description wherever you're listening right now. Needless to say, Pat brings his uniquely poetic eye to bear on proceedings. And it's a measure of his skills that he manages to present such a pitch-perfect portrait of the collective without almost ever resorting to the use of words. Not an easy thing to do, and I'll be getting his thoughts on his own journey with the project also in due course. I'll be dropping into Tig Bjogliath too, to hear what the other member of that holy trinity has to say about it all. Secondly, the even better news is that Mam is about to return to the stage in the autumn, so there'll be another opportunity to see it in the flesh. And you don't have to worry about spoiler alerts listening to what's in store here. 
There's no spoon feeding of anything as simple as a story in ma'am, so I don't think I could spoil it even if I tried. All I want is for this to make you want to experience it, only because you simply must. Upon arrival at Glynn, copious cups of tea were drank to wash away the effects of a long morning on the road before retiring to Michael's office in an outhouse to get going with the chat. Just to put you in the picture, keeping us company during our conversation was a scene of uncommon beauty outside the window. The western sky was bright and brilliant with reflections of distant water and there was an alluring calmness to the horizon which hinted at the promise of spring. I couldn't escape the feeling of having come to the edge of the world to talk about Michael's journey to the edges of dance and the heart of the matter, so we began by discussing how and why he made that same trip himself. Like, my daughter was in the, sh- was in the, sh- in the show, in the creative process, and she was going to school, so the Halla... Holland of Johanny is there and, and School Neverk is there. They're beside each other. Like mm-hmm. it's the school hall nearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, te- yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. So Ellie would come out of school, w- walk across the little road and then be in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And like when I was in the rehearsal room with people from Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Belgium, France, I could go on. Mm-hmm. I knew M- Milo and Ellie, my two children were, what, 30, 40 metres, 50 metres away, learning through Gaelga, like mm-hmm. learning Irish. Uh, and that was brilliant. Um, there was a there was a sense of uh, moving to West Kerry, for me was a big thing, mm-hmm. because I for lots of reasons like I have no I have no connection here, I have no I mean I said this I love saying this I have no bones in the ground here, mm-hmm. like all my ancestors are buried in Longford in Westmeath and in Dublin, mm-hmm. I I there's no one there's no one to speak there's no one who's going to speak to me here and in, in mm-hmm. the ancestors, mm-hmm. I, I mean you know when you talk about that like that sounds probably a bit mad no like. Um, but to me, it's really important, the ancestral thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't, need, I don't need it to be important for anyone else. Yeah. Like, so just to be clear, <laughs> but to me, it's really important. And I must say, just about the Kerry thing, um, when I lived in Longford, I lived in Longford for 12 years in my great, great, great grandfather's house that my mother bequeathed to me when my father died. So when I moved to Kerry, there was a, there was a kind of a sense of relief now because now the guys, the ancestors in Longford are no, no longer have me. Yeah, you know, because they because ancestors was I mean this was in your work as well, Michael. Yeah. Right? Oh, oh, yeah. Because my work is my work is is, is where the three he, counties meet. Yeah, <laughs> Longford, Westmeath, and Roscommon. Yeah, no. So my work in, in and my life are very very intertwined, mm. for better or for worse. And sometimes it's for worse. I can mm-hmm. tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm out of Longford now, and I'm away from those ancestors who have who have given me a lot, but demanded a lot of me. In my imagination now, this is, I'm talking about, this is in the world of imagination, yeah. which to me is an important thing. I come to Kerry, uh, I have no ancestors here. So there's nobody, nobody speaking to me um, in that way, in that imaginative way, creatively. Um, I don't know anyone. I know Cormac. Uh, I don't know. I know, you know, I know, I know, I know, I kind of, I know of Philip King, but don't really know anyone. Don't mm-hmm. speak good Irish. Mm-hmm. Want to learn the Irish. Kids in an all Irish school, trying to do the homework. Um, and then trying to make a new show. So I just thought, I just, I thought, I suppose I thought, let's make the show about that. Mm. Let's make the show about that story. And 
the positive, there's two lovely, there's two other tiny things to add to that story. Like, I suppose, you know, I didn't necessarily anticipate how brilliant they would be for the people in the work to come here. Mm, that was and my like, next question. <laughs> like, they're just so happy. You, you know, see that, like, uh, yeah. transforming them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's, there's not, I mean, I didn't move here. Like, I'm not a fool. Like, mm. this is an amazing place. Mm. So I came here for that. Mm. And I figured I may have no ancestors, but there's a holy mountain just outside my door. Mm. And there's the biggest, darkest Atlantic Ocean speaking to me just over that hill. Mm. And there's winds of 100 miles an hour that would make you reduce you to nothing. Mm-hmm. And in that nothingness, you can connect with something mm. universal, you know. Mm. So like... I, I was taking a, I was taking a, a, a measured gamble here <laughs> when I moved. So yeah, so the hall, the hall being up there was a massive part of it. And not only like the environs, the outside of the hall, like the fact that Dunneen Pier was so close that we could go swimming mm-hmm. and that the Canuck Vrenen was there, that you could see it from the window of the hall. You know, so you're bringing the muck on, on your trainers yeah. into the room with yeah. you. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, see, yeah. So that was cool, you know. And so, so that energy of, of, that transformation, trans personal transformations individually. Yeah, yeah. Then contributing to the collective energy, I guess that was a big factor in 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 kind of how the what what happened in there, right? Yeah, yeah. And what happened out of there? Yeah, and that's it. And that's the show. That's it. <laughs> that's it. In the spirit of full disclosure, it's probably a good time to point out that having followed his work obsessively for almost 20 years and having always wanted to meet him and express my gratitude for the many gifts he has bestowed upon us, the first time I did so was entirely by accident on the top of the same Canuck Vrenon. They say you should never meet your heroes and that may be so, but I'd like to add the caveat that doing so by chance on the top of a holy mountain will invariably take the heat out of the situation. The wonder of a mountain lies in its entirety, foot to summit, side to side, and there is none more wondrous than Mount Brandon. Anyone who has ever crossed the Connor Pass will know exactly what I'm talking about. Its brooding presence looms as large over Mam as it does over the entire peninsula. Without the aid of jet propulsion, it's impossible to make it to Dingle without traversing one of those same mountain passes, so I asked Michael which one in particular he was referring to. So it's there. Look, yeah. it's there. But that's it. That's right there. That's the mom. Yeah. Uh, I, though I'm not sure. It probably has a name. Yeah. No, no one has been too forthcoming about that particular mom's name. Yeah. But lots of them around here, you know, mom, Klasach, mom, yeah. for mom, mom, Leheds, you know, mom. But that's the mom that became to me the mom, the gateway, the, the, yeah. the, the mountain pass into, you know, Tir Begliach, you know, Bugliach, into the Begli's territory. So, you know, I'm an imaginative kind of a man. So I can imagine that's the kind of a gateway into something, into another world. So (laughs) that's where the word, it's the mom is the mountain pass. Mm. You know, and mountains are are, are magical places because they're closer to the sky. Mm. So, you know, holy men like, you know, Neav Brennan went up to the top of Kamuk Brennan and prayed uh, uh, for allegedly uh, are not maybe like maybe in my imagination forty days forty nights mm-hmm. but like he's up there he's cho- he's gone up there for a reason and the reason is that you're getting closer to the element of air air mm. in which the spirits live um, plus you're removed from others and if people want to ask you 
you know, for your phone number, they have to walk up the mountain yeah, <laughs> for yeah. like an hour and a half. So the chances are they leave you alone. Exactly. You know, which is where we met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We met, you were going down. I was going up. But, but, uh, but the mom is that. That's what it is. And it's a lovely looking word. Uh, it's a beautiful, uh, yeah, just the way, it, the shape of it. it yeah, and, yeah. and so economical with the letters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, it's Australian. Like, so yeah. it's Irish, which tells you something about where we're going on that particular trip. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it, again, yeah, the brevity of it, beautiful. So, so that was early on, and and then with the connection with the 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 Begliuk, um, the Begliuk, how did that? Is that go back a long way? Or it goes or? back to twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I, I I wanted to work with Liam, Wainley, um, Wainley, and because yeah. he he released that album Rain in two thousand five. Yeah. I didn't come across it till two thousand ten, and then I just knew I wanted to meet Liam, so I put out the word, you know, as you do. And eventually I got to meet Liam. It took ages to meet him. His, his, one of his things was to put together this band. Mm-hmm. And then my thing was to go find the dancers. Mm-hmm. So we kind of agreed. I don't know. We didn't even agree. It just started to happen. Mm-hmm. And the band had Cormac uh, Begley or Obiogliach uh, in it. Uh, and, and, you know, he would have been 10 years younger then. So I met him then. Um, and then in 2016, he released, was about 2016, 2015, he released his album, mm-hmm. Constantina's solo album. And, you know, I was listening to it a lot. And you know, when you listen to an album a lot, I mean, you know this better than most, mm. but like, you're kind of going, I'm going, why am I, why am I still, why do I keep putting this on? Mm-hmm. And Rochelle would la- tell you, like, I, I would just put it on, being a bit of an obsessive compulsive, like I would put it on again. And mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. and again. And my kids would be going, you know, you know, like we're talking about hundreds of plays, hundreds yeah. in the car, in the house, in the car, in the office, in the car. And because you live in West Kerry, you're driving a lot, you know, you know, for work. Oh, yeah. So you're listening to this <clears throat> album a lot. Uh, and you're going, okay, well, I need to do something about this now. So I don't know how it ha I think I probably went to Cormac and said, Cormac, I have an idea for a show. Are you interested? And he said, Yeah, I think. <laughs> And the show went through various forms in my head, how, mm-hmm. how, how, you know, the architecture of it, meaning like the shape, the shape it might take, the number of people that might be in it or the, 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 the scale of it, uh, until we kind of, it, and it was a bumpy enough ride, I have to say, like it didn't nearly happen a few times. And then, then we, then, then, then it kind of, yeah, then, then it unfolded. Um, just a personal thing on the, on the Cormac album, right? Cause, um, one of the incredible things about Mam. Uh, for me personally, is that it felt like it, it felt like it was for me. That like no joke. As in, I had been going through a thing, uh, my mom, uh, where I'd lost connection with music. Lo- long story. I was in a bad way, and and Cormac's music was the only music I could listen to, and and it was the last music, and it was the thing that like like uh. you, I'd say at the same time, in a different on a different um, route I was driving around listening to it non-stop in ways and coming home <laughs> from places you know just being it keeping me alive in ways you know like Amazing. honestly like yeah. that that fundamental so when um, happened you know I couldn't believe it and then the way it was realised was, was was so perfect but um, there was one thing about the journey uh, Michael that I was really interested is like st- Stargaze the, their involvement and their place in it like even now it seems audacious, but yet it works so well, you know, like as in how, what was your thinking there and how did that evolve with, so, so the foundational music is Cormac. Cormac yeah. 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 I, uh, uh, I think 
that uh, an album came out in two. It was around two thousand. When was that as well? It was around two thousand ten or eleven. That it was Goylin Records released an album of Padraria. There's three, you know, a three set yeah. of Padraria. There's you know albums, and and inside that there was an essay written by not Padra, Sean Aria. There's albums. Really, yeah, yeah. Forgive me, but inside there was an essay by Padraria about his dad's music, and. I mean, I, I'm 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 remembering a memory here now, so I'm probably yeah. embellishing it. But yeah. what what's significant was there was a there was a note about how our there was something about how how our classical music tradition had been terminated quite abruptly yeah. around the time of the flight of the earls. You know, around the time you know at the end of the maybe there was the Battle of Kinsale uh, that period, end of the 16th century, going into the beginning of the 17th century. And then how, like, maybe Sean Arrieta had somehow picked up the remnants of that narrative, the, mm. the, the, you know, the battered remnants, and somehow had created this beginning of a new mythology. Mm-hmm. Now, these are my words, not mm-hmm. Patters, so, yeah. but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to communicate the yeah. essence yeah. of the feeling I got. And I got really excited by that idea. You know, it's an obvious idea, but, like, I'm, I'm kind of coming at it, and it feels like it's, a, it's the first time anyone has ever heard it, you know, for yeah. me. And I'm thinking, it stayed with me a lot. So I'm listening to Cormac Begley's album, like you, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm making connections in my imagination between, you know, uh, say, Mozart, uh, a production of Cozy Fantuti at the Royal Opera House, or The Magic Flute, and Cormac Begley. Or, I, I, you know, I also worked a lot with Stravinsky uh, music, and also a lot of Baroque music. But I'm starting making these connections, and I'm going, in my little head, I'm going, what, what's the difference here? Like I put on Cormac's album, like you did, and I want to dance, and mm-hmm. I want to, and I want to smash things up, mm-hmm. and I want to cry, mm-hmm. and I want to live, mm-hmm. and I want to die, and I want everything. Mm-hmm. And I listen to a bit of Stravinsky, and you know, I probably feel some of those things too, but not necessarily lesser or greater. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, where's the metrics here? You know, mm. what's that about? Like this mm-hmm. is about power. You know, mm. and hype and bullshit. <laughs> so mm. I, I suppose, sorry, that's too much information. But then I'm thinking, okay, we need to get, I need to get, we, I always use we because I feel like I'm not responsible for anything I do. Mm. But you, well, I, we need to get a classical trained ensemble to be in a room with Cormac and see what happens. So then uh, I think what happened then was, I think, was Andre de Ritter was conducting Duke Bluebird's Castle by Bartok for Irish National Opera. And my mate, Adam Silverman, who lights all our shows, was lighting it. And somehow I heard that Andre had this ensemble called Stargaze. And I Googled them and I saw they were playing with Lisa Hannigan. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at a few videos and I really quite liked what was going on. Like, it looked like they were very sensitive to what Lisa was doing mm-hmm. and making it as best they could kind of better, for mm-hmm. want of a better word. Like, they mm-hmm. were... Enhancing it They mm-hmm. weren't kind of Coming over the top of it Or making it into something It wasn't yeah. It seemed cool yeah. It seemed intelligent And tasteful So I, I, I met uh, Adam Silverman In Fumbly Cafe On a morning When he was working On Duke Bilderberg's Castle And I said to uh, Adam I've got to meet This guy Andrew DeRitter Because I hear he has This ensemble And I think they could be The gang to, to get to work With Cormac And before I finished The sentence I kid you not Andrew DeRitter Walked in to Fumbly And he just got off Unbidden Like it was just Just completely He was going to You know It was obviously Everyone goes to Fumbly So he he walks in It's not just the universe No 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 It's the good coffee (laughs) And the eggs So I says to Andrew I says uh, I got this idea I blurted all out Like a Mm. mad person And and, and he's You know 
he, he looks, he's looking at me a bit like I'm a mad person, but he did say, I love the concertina. He said, I love the concertina. And I said, well, I'll give you this album to listen to. And he listened to it and he loved it. And then, then it was a case of getting Cormac on a plane to Berlin. They, the, the stargazers have a connection or Andre had a connection with the Desners and the, you know, that hotel oh, yeah, in Berlin. Yeah, right, yeah. Is it the, 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 I can't remember the name, yeah. but it's, it's a, a cool and a very commas yeah. hotel yeah. in Berlin. And we went there and we met some of them and they tried to play with Cormac. And one of them was, there was seven in the show in the end, but like Roma, Roma and Bly, uh, he's a French man from Paris, plays the French horn, but he also plays the drums, like in, mm-hmm. in a band. Mm-hmm. So he's classically trained French horn, plays the drums. And then like there's Maya Kaddish who plays the fiddle, but she, the violin, but you know, uh, she's very interesting roots, you know, and then Marlies who plays the, you know, the, they call it the French horn, the, the mm-hmm. core Anglis and the oboe. Uh, yeah, it, it it's feeling good. Was uh, the chemistry like? Was it there immediately, or was there any kind of? Well, I thought of- I thought it was there immediately, but I, I think I remember Cormac not being so sure. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to put words yeah. in Cormac's mouth. Yeah, but I, I think there was still reservations. Yeah, and I think he had more experiences of the failures. Yeah. than I did. Yeah. The story of how these two sound worlds merged is key to understanding the amalgamation of styles and elements, which is fundamental to the power of man. So now is probably as good a time as any in our story to whisk ourselves virtually over across the mountain pass to Tig Bjogliak to hear Cormac's thoughts on the same process. Well, we started off going to Berlin. Yeah. And Michael and Philip King went over to, to Berlin to meet Stargaze. And our rehearsals went went all right with them. And we're still kind of on defence whether we go for it or not. Yeah. Uh, or just keep it as with, with the concertina. It was kind of, we weren't really sure. Like it, Michael's instinct was to go with the ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I would have gone either way. Um, and um, when I joined the dancers at the start, I probably had a few weeks, maybe two weeks, without the uh, stargazers. And as they joined, we had to come up with a way that we'd work together. Yeah. And uh, select the piece of music and um, see what worked, what didn't work, and how they composed stuff. From my probably experience at the time, I hadn't really worked with an ensemble before, and yeah. it was a bit, bit intimidating in some ways because. I've never studied music or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'd consider myself having good instincts and knowing what I like um, mm-hmm. in music. Um, and I learned to develop vocabulary to describe what I liked and didn't. And that was probably my one of my biggest journeys. Um, and to you work. mean the biggest journey in terms of within the thing itself? Uh, uh, well, not the biggest. One of the journeys I went through was how to, how to um, maybe communicate what I liked and didn't like yeah. and work with an ensemble and I mm-hmm. kind of had a lot of responsibility in that I was representing traditional Irish music yeah. uh, in this piece and I've heard uh, a number of projects before where there's been a, um, a fusion yeah. and I really don't like that word when it comes to I know, <laughs> fusion yeah, yeah, Irish yeah. music we'll and bleep it out yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I know exactly what you yeah. mean, though. Some and, and disastrous examples. Let's not call yes, a spade a spade. Yeah, and and I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable about the prospect of that happening. Like, yeah. as in, like a, that wasn't going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. um, so it was kind of, I was worried about that. Um, thankfully, like. It got on really well with mm-hmm. with stargazers and and they've they had a different uh, outlook as well and they were um experimental very open to um they listened and they felt the music as well yeah. and it wasn't really kind of a um well for the most part it was it wasn't kind of it was felt experience and that was michael's doing as well because the, all the experience is about heightening your senses yeah. and going on a journey together and trusting yeah. uh, whatever that is, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the heart of things. And so Michael facilitated that too. And um, just yeah. in terms of the actual, um, the feeling and going with it and that, I mean, I think there's some very good examples in the film of where you can really see them kind of really deep listening going on when you're playing and, 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 and there being a very good, rapport there so so obviously you know obviously the method won out there where the process of as you say tapping into the feeling and it did and um michael's experience and vision and uh his structure around facilitating that Mm -hmm. kind of worked Mm -hmm. (laughs) he brought us to west kerry we spent weeks together Mm -hmm. ate together spent time together got to know each other Mm -hmm. um and had proper time together like sometimes uh in my profession i'm asked to collaborate with somebody and i might in reality you might have one hour to sit down with somebody before you go on stage with them. yeah so yeah. it's not really a collaboration as such yeah, but yeah. with this we had a lot of time um so it was nice to see that something that probably started three or four years before the show yeah two years three years before the show still made its way into the yeah into the piece and um again it's michael's uh, I guess trust in setting up structure and his experience in in working with people and picking the right people as well. Yeah. He's he's great instincts or present company and business of this. But but he he does have uh, a radar for the people that would work together and yeah. people that may not work together and yeah. and he can um, work with people that can be difficult as well. But he he is his way. He has a way around um, getting the best out of people. Yeah. I've already gotten Michael's insights into what it was like to oversee such a phenomenal act of collective creativity in deepest West Kerry, but I was interested to hear Cormac's thoughts on how it felt to be part of all this in a hall where he is on record as saying... He got his first ever kiss. Well, that's a very that's a special hall. Like that's that's, that's where where all the the, the discos and everything happened. Like I realised there's like yeah. there was it, the mam or, or a lot whatever. of dark corners. Like yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So so everything happened in there. So for for you and and for everyone in there. Yeah, well, like what I like about the film and for people who can have an opportunity to see the film and maybe see the show, Mom, mm-hmm. is that they'll see the work that went in behind it mm-hmm. and to see the the honesty behind that mm-hmm. and and the approach to that because it was a huge 
privileged for me to be part of that and part of sitting down and playing with all these musicians, seeing all these dancers and everyone involved. Um, I just, part of me wished that everybody could get to experience that or yeah. to have a taste of that. Yeah. And um, Pat Collins and Keith and Cullum and Bob, they were all amazing. Like they all added to the making of Mom yeah. at the start, for, like, and Philip, too, Philip King as well, and any everybody came in. They, it all added to the kind of collective energy and the because a lot of the conversations were had over dinner and lunch yeah. about the rehearsals before that. I had question marks around the filming at the start, but that you got used to that after a few days and after getting to know them and kind of build trust and. Like you speak to Pat for a few minutes and it's, he's like one of your best friends from yeah, school, yeah. like an old friend. He's yeah. really solid. Um, a deeply unaffected man for so, for such an yeah. amazing artist, you know. Yes, big time. Um, so like that all, that all. Would, would you say that that kind of thing is something that, you know, it, it's, I mean, it sounds so rare. It's so rare, but but for it to be at that level for that long and for you to be there all the time, is something like a kind of a, a lifetime achievement or a lifetime, you know, honor or, or a, but definitely something that, that doesn't come around it, too often. Definitely not. And some kind like, of utopian thing about that. Like, some, you know. something, um, something I definitely, one of the most memorable projects I've ever have been involved in, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just, I remember so much. I, like sometimes you do projects, you don't, like I, I remember a lot of days and mm-hmm. significant moments there and a lot of personal journeys you go, go on yeah. and, and a lot of people kind of maybe letting their guard down and, and yeah. encouraging the work to be themselves and and to move in the way they move or play how you how you feel or and uh, a lot of that and it's stuff you don't really hear that yeah at, that often and and even in the art world like I'd say a lot of the 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 established artists know that like a lot of people yeah. know that but like yeah. um there's definitely there's a huge power in hearing that <laughs> yeah because like, you, you do know it everybody knows it deep down but hearing it and hearing it is one thing but then having the environment to be able to do it yeah and the and the, the time and space to do that that's it yeah yeah and uh, that, so it's michael's vision for that and his experience yeah. work but it's also the funders and yeah. the arts council that trust michael and yeah. everybody involved yeah and um that yeah. made that made that happen there isn't a cable car yet but happily we have a two-way communication signal across this actual ma'am so let's retrace our steps and rejoin Michael as he takes up the story of how and where things started to gel for real. I got offered this six week to have this residency in Wellington in New Zealand because oh, we yeah. had broad shows there, Swan Lake had been there and people had got very excited about the work I was doing. So they offered me a chance to develop a show there. So. I went there for six weeks. I think Karma came out for a week and the Stargazers came out. And then then I got a feeling in New Zealand that it was really beginning to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think Cormac was more convinced. And then there was another meeting in Amsterdam. And I think I think he was still convinced. 
And then, you know, there was a lot of, will we do it, will we won't do it? Oh, yeah. And, you know, you get those deadlines where the festivals who are giving you a bit of money want to print the brochures. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of really difficult because it's, it's early, isn't yeah, it? In it's the like in, it's in April or something, and they want the name of the show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like so, yeah, yeah. you're going, Mom. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Well, Mom was just a nailed-on certainty for the name, right? As yeah. In, there was never that was never going to change. No, but I suppose I wonder would you have called it Mom if you had of um, had the had the chance of calling it after it was it's like a bit like naming a child before the child is born yes like sometimes you want to look at the child and then you go i call him fion yeah you know as opposed to carl no absolutely yeah yeah what name does he need yeah yeah yeah. what name will serve him him, or her well yeah so so we we called him mom but so i think once once the brochures came out you're under that kind of unfortunate unnecessary probably pressure yeah. Uh, then there's kind of no turning back or there's no easy way to turn back yeah. without having to apologise to a lot of people and there's nothing right. wrong with that because because we're I think we're, acts of creativity don't always suffer f- f- you know they, they don't always necessarily what I'm trying to say is you a bit of pressure like making a, a, a you know hitting a hitting a, a metal an iron bar to make a sword you know, like, you know, the act of creation requires some forces yeah. that don't all necessarily present as benign. You know, you have to hit things sometimes. I, I like that. You know, you have to hit things with chisels and you have to burn things. And, a- application of energy. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the furnace needs to be 2000 degrees or something before clay, you know, mm. solidifies. I don't know about pottery, but mm. I can imagine there are parallels. <laughs> I know a little bit about sword making because I was interested in the sword as a spiritual practice for a while. Really? Japanese sword. Yeah, yeah. For three or four years. And I, I'm still very friendly with the very sophisticated pr- practitioner of that. And he, he, he gives me good advice on a regular, uh, often. Uh, but yeah, like, wow, that's fantastic. You know, but, but like, like I'm all, I, you know, I'm all for I love, I, you know, does, does, and then the count, the opposite, not kind of part of that story, like the two ends of the stick, mm. is that I love the idea too, that you need to be of a nature that if you're sitting in a forest and a deer comes by, and if the deer sees you, it doesn't run away, like the idea that the deer might walk up to you mm. and like lick your face. Mm. To be that gentle and to be that resolved and that non-threatening, that is also necessary. But you also need to be able to swing a sledgehammer. <laughs> so it's quite a, it's quite you know it's quite a, a job mm. to kind of be both at the same time and, and not become one when you're meant to be the other. Yeah, because that's game over then. Yeah, right. You know yeah, that's yeah, totally yeah. You game get them over. Mixed up. Yeah. If you get them mixed up, it's all over. It really it's over. It can be over, mm. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a fine line. I think so. Yeah. But, but so, so, so we're going through. We've been to New Zealand. We, we, we meet for a little while with some dancers in in Amsterdam too. No, it, 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 the 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 music was 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 in some ways more more of a complex conundrum, um, than 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 the dancers. Right. I was started doing workshops to. Um, put together the company of dancers mm-hmm. and I did I did several in London and several in Dublin and then there were individual and then the ones in in New Zealand a lot of dancers came with me mm-hmm. a lot of dancers came and went and visited so I met a lot of people and I was given workshops in the New Zealand school of dance while I was there and I met one of the cast one mm-hmm. of the company sorry I don't like that word cast so much one of the company uh, came out of the New Zealand school of dance he was really a young fella he was 19 
And then others were people I'd worked with for a long, long time. And then others I found in workshops. Mm-hmm. So there was a kind of a, 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 you know, various avenues being explored mm-hmm. to put together the 12, the group of 12 dancers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when did they, was, was here the first time they all met yeah. together then? Yeah. So that, maybe that shot in mm-hmm. Pat's film mm-hmm. of everyone That's arriving. That's the, the very beginning. That, and that, that is, that is, the, that is the first time they met as a group. I propose we should improvise a lot, play a lot, and then when good things start to happen, just try to harvest them, collect them, you know. I have a belief that you improvise, you catch it, you structure it, and then you let it go again. Then it's free again. So all of this, I want all of this movement to come from the inside. Yeah, I mean, this is always up for review. Yeah. <laughs> but then I was working eight, six days a week. Yeah. Uh, Monday to Saturday, 8 a.m. in the morning till about six. But often, or half five, but often the, then there would be residuals, residuals happening in the evenings. Uh, and then we'd work in the mornings of Saturdays till about two. Yeah. So you're doing five and a half days a week, long days for about eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you practice yoga in the morning or you yeah, do for, yeah. for how long? An hour and a half. Okay. An hour and fi- so eight till about 9.15, 9.30. Yeah. Then we'd have our breakfast. Yeah. Compliments of, of Katie Sanderson. Yeah, right. Which was amazing. And then we would work in a three hour session in the morning and yeah. then a, a long break in the afternoon, maybe an hour, two hours, two hours, an hour and a half, two hours, and then three hour session in the, in the evening. And, and, and one of the things, you know, again, when you watch the film, you see that you see the board uh, yeah. getting filled up with with these little, which I paused it to go to just to read them. I have is, them somewhere here. Yeah, <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> they're wrapped up there in the corner. But um, so you're just kind of like, again, I, I'm really fascinated by how this works when it comes to dance, because like I'm coming from an angle of and I'll explain another time the, the several things that I've seen of yours that have done that where I don't really know why this moves me so much. I don't really know why it means so much, but but something about the way these things are put together really does. And mm. so in there, like we'll say just words versus gesture or movement versus lines, you know, there's like, I think, I think it might've been in an interview that I saw uh, that you said something along the lines of, you know, oh yeah, it was about, you know, when, how to say something and how the many different ways you can weight that or change that or oh, yeah, a- yeah, augment yeah. that or, <laughs> you know, and, and it, it's obviously limitless. But when it comes to like, when you're looking for something that means something in terms of, of movement, is, is it very different or what, what is it that's, what kind of ray or what, what, what are you judging that upon or what are you looking for to kind of build up the lexicon of, of the piece? Uh. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're looking for you're, you're. Are you looking for like feeling? Are you instigating, or are you? I mean, we get a good impression in the film. Yeah, but you're not really directing, really, are you? Or, or are uh, you just? Are you? The more directing, it's a bit like if you're ta- if you're if you're getting into complexity, it's probably an indicator that something's going wrong. Oh yeah. The more I'm directing, I'm doing. <clears throat> it means the more I'm directing, the less well it's going. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. So like Pat kind of catches that, I think, in the documentary, because as it goes on, I say less and less and less and I kind of disappear. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how it should be. Mm. Like, I'm only talking a lot at the beginning because I have to, mm-hmm. but I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Because for everything you say, there's the downside. Because mm-hmm. people attach to what you say. 
you know, the, 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 that guy, there's this Polish theatre maker who was, who was around for a while. He's no longer uh, around now. You know, this guy Grotowski. And I read a few of his books because he used to work in this kind of way a bit. And he, he, he had this thing called the Via Negativa, which is a bit grim, but like the idea with Via Negativa is that you never say what it is. You never say that's it. Because if you do, as humans, we're, we're, we're conditioned to try and recreate that thing mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. So what he did was you just say what it's not. Right, wow. <laughs> so you say, that's not it. Now, yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. But like, I'm glad I read that. Mm. So like, if you tell it, see, the thing about dancers, you got to understand this, is that like, there's young dancers, there's middle-aged dancers, there's older dancers. There's dancers who've all this different, there's, there's dancers who've started dancing as disco dancers. There's dancers who started dancing as ballroom dancers. There's dancing, dancers who started as ballet dancers. There's dancers who had no training. There's dancers who've had trained so fucking much they don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I'm trying to, you're trying to create a world where these dancers, 12 say, can exist comfortably mm-hmm. and, and therefore excel in their dancing. But one of them is 22. One of them is 43. One of them has just come out of Rombert where they were dealing with the guy who just told them everything they had to do. You know, they, they were so controlled. To within an inch. An of, inch yeah. of their lives. Mm. And then there's others who are so out of control because they've been freelancing mm. for 10 years mm. and, you know, hanging around, hanging out in cafes in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you're creating and you're creating a world where all of these, and so you want, you want them to be different. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the fact that they're different is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, people used to get off on that. Oh my God, they're so, they're so, oh my God, look at the Bolshoi. They all look the same. They all have black hair. They mm-hmm. all have long legs. They're mm-hmm. all blah, blah. You know, there's something odd about that though, because mm-hmm. nothing is really like that. Mm-hmm. So like, I love that they're all different mm-hmm. in terms of race, nationality, sexuality, age, yeah. every, you know, as, so one, that's one thing would be in my head when you're trying to put together the a group, gang. Yeah. was like, <clears throat> they're so different. <laughs> This is fantastic. So then you got, okay, now you got 12 people are very different. So you need to then create a kind of a space or a world where they know, they, they know what's going to work mm-hmm. in that world. Like what's going to have an outcome that I suppose on, and in simple terms, that's what's going to be part of this piece that we're going to share. Yeah. That, but that doesn't mean that all the other things that they're doing don't have value that aren't brilliant. But like at some point, I'm just I'm I, I'm I'm trying to get to this point where we can put on a show in the Dublin Theatre Festival, yeah, and they and they I, understand that, sure, you know. But like it isn't the most it probably isn't the most important thing that's happening in the room, mm-hmm. do you know. Right, there's much more important <laughs> things happening. That's but great. Like, but but we all know we have to do this other thing. I love that. You idea. know, you know, and that's true though. Yeah, like the biggest moments aren't in the documentary probably, and aren't in the work. Wow, you know, because I know this from experience. Some of the biggest life-changing moments last about 0.5 of a millisecond yeah. where it goes, you know, mm-hmm. you know the, the penny dropping, mm-hmm. you go, fuck. Mm. And then everything's different and no one has noticed because you just look like you're standing there doing nothing mm. and something has happened in your brain. Yeah. Um, oh, I, lo- I love you know, all of that stuff. You know, wow. but that's, that's, and that's the truth of it. Yeah. Uh, like, so, and then, and then you'd be gone, Donnelly, you'd be gone. Ah, look, maybe Michael, you're making all this up. You know, maybe this is all like totally fantasy. And then you like, you go to Madrid like I did just before Christmas with mom. And I hadn't seen the guys for, for the whole pan, the pandemic. Yeah. It's nearly two years. You've been through something yeah. huge. Yeah. You've and been through see, a big man. But then I see, yeah. But then I see one of the dancers, for example, who was maybe struggling with something in the room in Kerry. And I'm seeing her on the stage in Madrid now, the Teatro del Canal. And she has 
she is she's she has been in she has transformed like oh. you know there's something uh again but by by describing it you're reducing it but like she's she's taking more space in a good way her she's more empowered in a good way she's she's more um she's more coordinated like coordinated not in that technical way but like together mm-hmm. she's together with herself in action and when you see that like it's not like it isn't like oh look you know someone watching someone doing a triple salco going oh my god that's so impressive what happens when you're looking at that i think is you go oh it's like it's so good to be around someone who's comfortable in their skin mm. it's so good to be around someone who feels you know comfortable with reality mm-hmm. you want to be around them more so when you've seen a dancer manifest that and she, you know, she's not my dances. The dances I make aren't aren't technically necessarily hard, so that doesn't come into it. But you're like, that's that makes me feel okay. I feel good now. I feel yeah. good, like yeah. about being alive. Uh, and and that's what makes, I suppose, feels my onward journey going. Yeah. I'm not complete. You know, this actually, there are tangible outcomes that I can yeah. that I can see and feel. Yeah. You know. same seen and felt tangible outcomes on Michael's part are the moments of pure transcendence which we are lucky to experience as audience members. That's the stuff that propels us from our seats into the dream time. Several times in MAM, the transition from solo dancing into this magical coalition of the group moving in unison is so seamless that it's impossible not to get carried away. Like all transcendent moments, it's as natural in essence as a gust of wind. Conjuring those same forces is not easily done, however. Being able to orchestrate that kind of multidisciplinary harmony on such a level is a rare gift, and I was interested to find out if it was something that he had figured out for himself. Was there somebody in there in your journey... That, that did that for you, that, that you're kind of doing for these people? You know, as in, was there somebody who went, it doesn't have to be like that. It can yeah. be... You know, there probably isn't one person. Mm. I can't think of Or did you person. kind of figure that out yourself? I I, I, I don't. I don't like to big myself up. <laughs> well, my impression was you figured that out yourself. I figured it out for myself, yeah, yeah. I did. From I, being in it and being around it. But it's a really good question because I'm trying to think where where... I suppose, you know, it's like nature. It's a bit like, you know, the wind will make the trees. The trees are all growing that way. Yeah. Like, it's because of my nature. Yeah. Because I I cannot be creative if I'm in a situation where I feel I am being objectified or pressurized or interfered with. I simply can't function. Mm-hmm. So, like, people often ask me, oh, why don't you direct more, you know, ballets for Create, create work for the Netherlands dance and I have an international career going around like a lot of choreographers of my age or of my pedigree are making a career now you know making a piece for San Francisco Ballet mm. or for Romberg Dance Company or Netherlands Dance Theatre and I haven't or Gothenburg Ballet whatever mm-hmm. uh, I've tried it and I can't I mean the pieces I made weren't bad at all mm-hmm. just weren't magical mm-hmm. and it's because the thing <laughs> Someone said to me, a really good friend of mine said to me the other night in Galway, he says, Mickey, 
he's a surgeon. He's a really great man. He said, Mickey, why don't you do more commercial stuff? He says, you know, because, you know, you know, I'm 53. I wouldn't have a lot of money, you know, in the old bank account. He yeah. says, why don't you do some commercial stuff? And I says, because I can't. And mm-hmm. he goes, of course you can. You just have to, you know. Yeah. I said, no, I said to Sino, his, his name's Keith. I says, Keith, you see, the thing is, I, people always ask me that question, you know, why didn't I do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you do this? And I used to say, because I don't want to. You know, yeah. like a real cool, like, yeah. you know, if I smoked, I'd have a cigarette in the corner of my mouth. Yeah. I don't want to. I'm an yeah. artist. Yeah. But the truth is, mm. I can't. Mm. I, I believe can't. You. I just literally can't. And it's like, what do you mean? He said to me, what do you mean you can't? Of course you can't. And he wouldn't accept my answer. It's a bit like saying to a leopard, you know, why do you, you know, why do you have spots? Yeah. You know, you yeah. should have stripes. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, I mean, I can't because if does uh, it, it's a real weakness too yeah. if there's anything wrong in the yeah. room that and that doesn't mean in, in your reality in yeah. my reality yeah. i can't function so like if i if i if i feel like someone is 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 uh is suffering like i'm not going to be asking them to dance mm-hmm. like it's ridiculous mm-hmm. that's the thing that you see it's it's just ridiculous what goes on in the dance world so you can have a headache you can have a serious hip injury and you and you are expected to walk, or you can have lost a loved one mm-hmm. and you're expected to walk on stage and make shapes mm-hmm. and then people will clap. Mm-hmm. I mean, many people will say that's perfectly fine. That to me seems like the most perverse, mm-hmm. odd situation to do. Like you should, you dance the feeling. Mm-hmm. The feeling, the, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have structure. Okay, it works both ways. You have structure when there is, so people, okay. Dancers would say to me, uh, when they when they understand the game they're in, they go, I feel like shit today. Uh, I, I'm not. I, 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 and I'd say, cool. Don't do anything. Lie mm-hmm. there, lie on the floor. Lie over there. Go for a walk. Cool. Uh, and then they usually don't because they're they're you know dancers are are generally very disciplined and mm-hmm. and work workers. So they don't go. They watch, and then they start a watch, and then something they're watching triggers something, and then they stand up, and then something starts to happen. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, they're smiling and laughing, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no, there was no need for me to say, get up there and dance. What do you think <laughs> I'm paying you for? Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. And, and, yes, and, you and, will. Yeah. And, and the work that they make out of this situation will be far superior mm. than the other one. I get you know? it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Yeah. There's something for every feeling, is there? There's a dance, there's a movement, there's, it's, you know, is, is that kind of where you're coming from in terms of, what you're accessing or all. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, like, even as we're talking, like if I'm, if I'm thinking I'll move into this shape, I will not you necessarily. If I'm feeling excited, I'll, I'll open yeah. up to this shape. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, we're, we're so used to this language that we don't necessarily fully consciously notice it, but it's yeah. quite a big change. Yeah. So that's, that's choreography. Yeah. Now, if I'm a, because of my nature, when I'm thinking also, I tend to look up. And because I'm dramatic, I tend to use my two hands a bit. Yeah. So I might do that. <laughs> and then I might, then also, because I'm confrontational and a bit aggressive by nature, yeah. I'm always kind of, I'm always, I'm always uh, getting you in the crosshairs, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm holding you mm-hmm. because I'm afraid, you know, I'm afraid you're going to do something on me. You might, you know, try and come, you know, you might try and rob me, <laughs> you know, because I grew up on the north side of Dublin in the, yeah, in the right. 70s. So like my, my, my nature is my choreography mm. and I don't see any good reason not to, to harvest that as art. Mm. So why on earth would I think there's a suit that I, 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 and here's the other thing, why the fuck like would I be telling you to be like me? You know what I mean? Mm. So like my choreography, so like in, in mom, there are, there are moves that are mine. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if someone was smart, like you could see which ones are more. Mm-hmm. And then there are moves that are James O'Hara's because James has this really long hair and oh, his right. parents yeah, are yeah. both kind of progressive hippies and he grew up on the west, <laughs> south, in West Australia on the beaches. And then, you know, uh, amidst, you know, grandmother's a Holocaust survivor and he is something. And then Zen's father was uh, African-American. Uh, oh, Zen, yeah. I yeah, looked up Zen. He's a DJ too, right? He's a right? DJ, yeah. yeah. He's fantastic. His mother's Swiss. <laughs> right. He, he went to Steiner schools. Yeah. And Caris is from Wales. We yeah. grew up in, you know, in, where is it? in Swindon. And we used to joke about how crap Swindon was. Uh, uh, you know, and then Imogen's uh, mother is English. Her father was from, from South uh, India. And then she would talk about the Portuguese conquest in Goa. That would become something Wow. You know, yeah. and then Aki's Japanese and actually had far less English than I, than, you know, the way you often, people are very good at hiding mm. how poor their English mm. is. So mm. you realize Aki is getting about 10% of this. And you know what? It's making it better. Wow. Really? Because, because she's yeah. only getting, she's getting, yeah. she's getting this, yeah. she's getting this. Yeah. She's not getting, you know, and you, yeah, 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 you yeah, know, she's yeah. watching my mouth move. Unnecessary stuff. Not yeah, necessary. Yeah. Again, I want to refer you to the documentary at this point because I think it's a very valuable insight into just how much is involved in corralling that collective energy while carefully managing individual expectations and catering for all the different styles, characters and abilities contained therein. People talk about spinning plates to describe situations where things get complicated, but in this instance, the crockery is being spun while movements are being synchronized and rhythms aligned. And that sure is complicated. At its finest, it's not. Yeah. Like, at its finest, it's so simple and direct. Mm. Um, so maybe there's a relationship between the level of complexity one experiences with something and... Uh, it's uh, it's success. Mm-hmm. Like when when it's uh, when things are going really well, it feels simple. But like when things are getting really complicated, the chances are something's going. It's going wrong. Yeah, it's gone off. It's yeah. you're off. You're off kilter. Yeah. You're you know you've mm-hmm. gone off the tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think yeah, when when we when you came there, you're telling me stories, and I was, I I remember saying to you, oh God, what's that story telling you? And uh, I I I I I mean, I I I I found it useful to uh, th- to look at things in that way. Going, what what's that telling me? So like when it's getting really complicated, and it does. My God, you're right. Like it gets complicated with mm-hmm. with mom or with any work mm-hmm. of art. Um, what's what's that telling you? It it's probably telling you 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 need to go back and think about what you're at mm-hmm. because I'm not saying it can't be complicated. It shouldn't be. But when I find that when things are working really well, they feel really simple. Yeah. Like, right. do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, uh, like I remember this French, this French agent came to see mom in Madrid and I met him for a coffee the next day. And we had a very interesting conversation and it made me think of John Moriarty a little bit. Not that I know a whole lot about John Moriarty, but one thing, one thing that stuck in my head about my limited thinking around what he was talking about was I got the feeling that John Moriarty had thrown out his perception of reality at some point in his life, his educated perception that was based on, you know, Roman civilization or Greek civilization or Descartian or, you know, a, a, a way of seeing the world based on a set of rules that were handed down to us over centuries 
by a group of fellas. Um, that at some point, it seemed to me that John Moriarty, Moriarty said that he'd thrown them away and that he was now thinking in a different way, more like, uh, how do I say, I suppose more, more connected to reality in terms of nature. Mm-hmm. So when I was talking about mom, who was French agent, mm. who was very successful, highly, you know, influential, knew everything about the dance, European dancing or the French dancing. And as the conversation went on, I began to realize that his way of looking at the world was, was pr- I'm going to say entirely different from the way I've begun to look at the world. Um, and then I thought about John Moriarty and I wonder it was because he was, he was seeing things through the lens of, you know, Greco-Roman classical form, aesthetics, aesthetics. Like if, if something doesn't look right, it must be wrong. Whereas, whereas, whereas the other way of looking at things are, is that things are, and therefore they take on an appearance as a consequence of how they are. You don't impose form on a person. The person is, so you make a shape because of how you are. As soon as I impose a form on something or an aesthetic on it, I'm imposing kind of my will or my ego or my, I am going to control reality, you know, mm. you know, that kind of, we are greater than nature that, you know, the nature is there to serve us. And we are, we are, we are somehow uh, greater than it, mm. when actually we are nature and we are, uh, and that we, we, we need to be, you know, and more and more people are beginning, I hope are beginning to come around to seeing the world this way because I think it's healthier long-term yeah. that we are nature mm. and that, <clears throat> that, 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 that the, for me, the less, the less amount of imposition I, I, I have to act out, like telling someone to do something, the less, the better. So just because the, the question, I guess, was about complexity was that the, the other thing I thought, think about a lot is that dancing is simple in its essence. You know, like like running or walking, like it's simple. Um, but it's but everyone can have such a different experience of it, and an individual can have a, a ten thousand different experiences of what it is to dance in their life, depending on where they are, who they're with, what they're listening to, what they've eaten before, where they're going afterwards. You know, it's it's so com- complex. The fall of the ground. Yeah, the fall <laughs> of the ground, like in Kerry. You know, it's very hard to find a flat spot here. But you know, there's a that there's such a, it, it's so simple, but can be so complicated. Mm. Um, and I think maybe because it's so simple, uh, we, 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 we tend to maybe not att- attribute the same value to things that are simple. Mm-hmm. So here's what I think. If you think, if something is simple, it can't be valuable. So let's fucking complicate it. Like we better start complicating this lads because we need to fucking sell it. Mm, you know, so yeah. let's complicate the shit out of it. Yeah. So therefore, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about it a lot. Let's write about it a lot. Let's have seminars about it. Like yeah. let's fly in people from all over Europe to talk about the principles behind the concept that is the underlying principle of this piece of work. Uh, like, so, so there's, the, there is that whole world uh, and one can make a career negotiating that world and making work for that world. And it must, I don't know, does it feel, must feel good. Uh, but like, it, it, it ain't for me, you yeah. know. So the conversation, it was a lovely conversation because he was actually a lovely man mm-hmm. and ve- a very, you know, he, he knew his stuff. Yeah. But, and, um, and he gave you something even though it was... Oh, he gave know, me loads. He, the, yeah. the, 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 he gave me loads, actually. I learned loads from that conversation. Yeah. Um, I'm not Again, I'm not applying a, a, a moral or a value to that conversation, you know. 
he he was he he just saw things completely differently from yeah. me, and that was startling. Uh, and and but maybe because I'm fifty, I, I was fifty two when I had the conversation. Like yeah. I was like, God, like I'm fifty two, and I'm only really beginning to beginning to begin to begin understand. Yeah, the, I, these things. Yeah, you know, I feel that way. <laughs> and in the beginning, the man said, "Let there be light," and there was light think it might be as good a time as any to traverse another mountain pass and hear from Pat Collins who has shed such a brilliant light on the magic that happens by Michael's hand between the walls of Tarkdausa. I saw the dance for the first time in front of an audience at the end of January at the Hedge School in Doolan and afterwards I interviewed Pat on stage about the illumination as he saw it. I mean, I think he's... I think he's an, an incredible artist, I think Michael is. You know, there's, I don't know if there's anybody else working at the same level as he's working at. In terms of his philosophical outlook and in terms of his approach, I mean, d- down to, you know, yoga six mornings a week. You know, we just weren't able to fit in the yoga without making it look kind of, um, we just weren't able to put it into the film. But six mornings a week, it was an hour and a half of yoga every single morning. With the whole group? With, with, the, with the whole group crew, the musicians and sometimes, yeah, but um, not all, all the time at the beginning, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the, uh, the it just became too busy then. But uh, then so that there's dancing in the morning and then there's Katie Sanderson is cooking vegan food. So it, it, it's it's vegan food from for eight weeks. And you, and you can actually see the difference in the complexions and in terms of the fitness, in terms of their commitment and in terms of just their complexions, you know, and they're swimming in the sea and they're living together and it's complete and utter immersion in each other. And, and they're, I mean, they're all kind of in harmony, but it's, it's sometimes, it's not complete harmony either, but sometimes say there might be three days out of the eight weeks where for whatever reason, it, it, uh, it just becomes completely harmonious and all of the great work is done in those three days. Everything kind of comes together. In, in, and Michael said that at the beginning, he said, you know, the big danger is that we won't be there for, for the three, those three days. <laughs> mm. But luckily we, we were. And um, so, it's, and again, he's not completely in control of it. He is orchestrating it and he is, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of very open to all of those things, but he has that vision for it. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, that, that scene there where, um, uh, Connor is kind of stretched across the chairs. I mean, yeah. that, that literally, I think he, that was a dream he had the night before and he came in and he said, I'm going to try this. And uh, so he, he, and, but certain things like the people lined up across the, the, uh, on the stage and the chairs and the clapping and all that, he'd, he'd have a vision for that. And he'd have a vision mm. for the girl in the white dress on the table. I mean, I, I think it's probably s- central to the reason why you wanted to do it in, in that way. I mean, for instance, if, even if it was Loch Nahala, uh, there would have been a narrative in that show and there was words and Michael Murphy was in it and he would speak yeah. parts. And so the documentary would have been forced to <clears throat> follow that narrative of the, of the play. And, but the beauty of mom was that there was never going to be that kind of narrative. So it, it, basically what you're going for is movement and sound and, uh, and, and that kind of harmony, trying to, trying to, trying to capture that and trying to find those moments where like Aki, when she's spinning, like you're trying to create a sense that, you know, that she's immersed in what she's doing and you're immersed looking at her doing that work. And then you become lost in that and you kind of lose temporal perspective, maybe. 
And that's something that I kind of find great in books or great in, in films is that when you actually lose all sense of of time, really. And, yeah. you're, and, and if you can get one moment like that in a film, you just kind of lose sense. You're, you're, in, you're in it, kind of. You know, and, yeah. Uh, We've talked a lot about the work itself and how it came about. But before closing, I just want to delve a little bit into the making of shows like this from the point of view of production as opposed to direction. What I do is I do I do a little uh, arithmetic or a kind of a, an algebra or something in my head where I go, I want to work like this. I, I need to deliver an outcome that's kind of like this. How much time do I have and how much money do I have? <laughs> and depending on, on how much time and money I have, I can do less or more. If I don't have much time, I need to do a lot of the work in advance myself to kind of uh, offset the lack of time. Mm -hmm. If I do have loads of time and loads of money, I can do less of that myself. And you kind of go in more or less. Yeah, so I I, kind of, and then the success in inverted commas, whatever that really means, Mm is an indicator of how well I have, uh, you know, like a bit like I was a quantity surveyor, Mm -hmm. how well I have uh, made the call on how much control and how little control I've exercised on the process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, you're failing all the time. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, 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 I definitely, I love, it. Someone, someone told me, some fellow who was smart told me about the, the stick thing, you know, you know that you come at, you're coming at the thing from the two ends of the stick to get to the middle. So like, if you put too much attention on the process, there can be an outcome that you may not be entirely satisfied with. If you put too much attention on the on the product, there may be an outcome that you may not be entirely satisfied with. So it's probably the smart thing to do is to give attention to both. Mm-hmm. But um, the f- there's fun, actually there's fun at both ends. There's real fun being in a room with a bunch of dancers and not knowing what mm. the fuck's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like that's an amazing feeling. But there's also great fun being in a room with a thousand people watching a show you've made with those dancers. Mm-hmm. And, and, and at least half of those thousand people are getting taken away from mm-hmm. mundane reality. Like you can feel that something's happening and it's good. Like, um, you know, so, uh, yeah. Like I, I'd imagine if you had enough time and money, you could just go into a room with, a, not just, you could go in a room with a bunch of dancers and work mm-hmm. and still get to the situation where thousands of people are getting inspired. But uh, yeah, I suppose, the, you, you'd, there's a connection like you, it's to do with the, the brilliance of the people in the room yeah. and the people working around the room mm-hmm. and in, and over the room and under the room. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, you know, there's an act of brilliance and that, 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 that the great thing about brilliance is that there's no time or money connected to that. Yeah. Like some of the most brilliant people I've met are brilliant in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're brilliant in a, a flash of a light. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, you know, it's a lot going on. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. There sure is a whole lot going on. As Charlie Parker said in response to the question, what's happening, Bird? Everything's happening all of the time. I have to confess, like, it's been a bit of a... It's it, it, it's been... it's Not to put too fine a point on it, it's been really fucking hard. Mm. I, can't, I can't tell you how hard it's been. Mm. And I don't want to sound like a moany old fucker, you know. Mm, but like, it's hard. It's a hard mm. gig being a mm. professional dancer. It's a hard gig being a choreographer. Um, 
for all sorts of reasons that I'll write a book about one day. But there's a beautiful thing about that. What I love about life is that one of the reasons why I became a choreographer was because I was such a bad dancer. And like being a bad dancer wasn't much fun, but it meant it meant it was really easy for me to become a choreographer mm. because, you know, I'm not going to be a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, the I choice was made or in your ch- head. Yeah, yeah. Like again, it's dharma. Like mm. it's, it's, it's made for you. And instead of kind of railing against it, you, I'm just, this is something I tell myself, like when things aren't going your way, there's a great Rumi poem called The Joy of Sudden Disappointment, you know, where this eagle steals Muhammad's boot and Muhammad is screaming up at the eagle going, you know, you took my boot. And then the eagle swoops circles around and a snake falls out of the boot, you know. Right. What's it called? The Joy of? The Joy of Sudden Disappointment. So you need to like, read this poem. So do I. I need to read it every day <laughs> yeah. because in our job like this, it's constantly you're just you're being let down and disappointed. Yeah. But uh, what I was trying to say was that it was easy. You asked me about the transition to become a choreographer. Like, I could never be the kind of a dancer that I imagined I could want, that I imagined I would be. It just wasn't for me. It just wasn't going to happen. You couldn't dream that kind of thing. You couldn't into reality. I, I could dream it. Yeah, I just couldn't be it in reality. Yeah, right, right. And that's just the way it is yeah. because that's not why I'm here. Mm. And that's okay. In fact, mm. it's better than okay. It's brilliant because mm. I'm here to do this. Mm. So like I, another way I'm very lucky, like I, I'm, I've been hanging out with, with Rochelle, who's over on that poster for 16 years. Mm-hmm. And she is... Who was down in that field she there? For, she trees. was for a while, yeah. Yeah, but she's she is a she is a true she is the she she is a true dancer. Mm. So, so so I have that also in my life, you know, to see. Mm-hmm. I live with the with the real thing. What a dancer! Yeah, what a dancer! <laughs> and I and I am I am I am I am something else. So, mm. um, what a team! Yeah, what a team! Yeah, what, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't. I, I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah. I'll but, say that. Yeah, you can say that. But um. That that's really I I I I really love that idea. Now, um, yeah, I was. This is always what I was going to be, mm. and I'm and I'm being it for better or for worse. Yeah, and and very often it's for worse. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, just, yeah. It's just you the keep way. Saying that. <laughs> no, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I know. But it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You know, sure, of it's, course, it's yeah. totally okay. Yeah. In fact, it's more than okay, a lot more. By decree of divine law or otherwise, Michael Keegan Dolan is most certainly doing what he's meant to do, up where he belongs, and long may he continue to reach for that higher ground. Him scaling those heights on our behalf makes life down here on terra firma a lot more interesting, that's for sure. Gumani Dia on Uber. It was a privilege getting up close to his practice and gaining so many insights on what is both a singular perspective on and a rigorous commitment to the art of making. I hope the conversation was as enjoyable to follow as it was for me to conduct. The geography of our chat took us through not just one but a succession of mountain passes, so I think I'm set now for the journey home across a hundred more. Before I hit the road, I want to thank you for listening. And just to say, we'll be back with the final episode in this series on October 15th. Gudishin Slán Gafón. We are 
by the makers was written and presented by Donald Deneen, edited and produced by Ian Cudmore, with original music by Ulton O'Brien. This series was commissioned by Silas Newa in Washington, D.C. Makers. Makers. Makers.